This is three and five on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for dialing in to this episode of three and five. I'm Steve Peacher, president of SLC Management, and I'm really pleased today to be joined by Lauren Chesney, who's a managing director in our HR department at SLC and is also very involved in our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Lauren, thanks for taking the time today. Happy to be here. Unfortunately, the asset management industry has not uh, historically covered itself in glory, shall we say, when it comes to diverse workforces. And why do you think it's been so difficult for the asset management industry to develop a more diverse workplace? So that's a great question. And I think it, it it's a complex issue and probably hard to do it justice in just a few words. But So I'm going to focus on a couple of things that spring to mind. So I think like many industries, asset management industries had its, um, its fair share of both conscious and unconscious bias influencing hiring decisions. Uh, again, I don't think too different from, from many industries. But I think one of the things, our industry perhaps has an image issue. So if I'm a talented woman or person from an, another underrepresented group, I want to choose a career or industry where I think I can be successful and be welcomed. And maybe in the past, our industry has not felt that way or has perhaps been perceived as exclusionary or maybe even been exclusionary. We've even heard from some of our community partners that for some young people, the only exposure they've really had to our industries via popular culture, like movies like Wolf of Wall Street. And so that sort of thing can portray the industry as a less hospitable place, probably for people of difference. And I think it can be, as an additional point, highly competitive to get into our industry. And so if you've been given opportunities during college to do like an internship with an asset manager or an investment company, because maybe your uncle works there or you have a neighbor who's in the industry, we're probably perpetuating a vicious cycle of hiring the same sorts of people. You know, there can be a variety of viewpoints and sometimes skepticism within a workforce on EE&I initiatives. And how have you approached promoting education and discussion of these issues in an open uh, manner? And, and what do you say to somebody who says, well, don't we always want to hire the best person for a position regardless of the E&I mm-hmm. considerations? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the second piece, if that's okay, because that statement always bothers me. I, I think that that insinuates that by considering diversity, we won't be hiring the best unless the best always means a white male. Um, and even to unpack what best means, it can be subjective. So is best what we've hired in the past and has success with? Or the candidate the hiring manager feels most comfortable with? Or is it a person with 10 years of experience over six? Because we know that someone can be in the same job for 10 years and repeat the same experience 10 times over versus someone else can be in a job for six years and had more eclectic experiences, which have accelerated their development. So I think we've got to be careful about that. And also that we are considering within our criteria that there's inherent value in difference. So that should be part of our criteria and part of our thought process. So to go back to the first part of that question around education, within SLC, we ran a three-month mandatory diversity, equity, and inclusion learning program that leveraged a social learning platform. And we encouraged employees to engage with the content, ask questions. Um, and then we actually ran some discussion sessions as well, which are still running, just as a way to give employees a chance to share what's on their mind, to talk about the content and to challenge one another. In addition to these education initiatives, <laughs> what are some of the other strategies that you think are the most effective when it comes to improving the diversity of, of a workforce within an investment manager? So that's a big one. I think that if there was an easy solution, we'd all be doing it right now. I hope we'd all be doing it right now. 
And I think that as an industry, we are moving in the right direction, but I think that there's so much change that's required at different levels. So I think society, in society, there needs to be change because I don't think this is just a, it's not a single industry. It's not a single profession. I think it's across the board that there are challenges in this regard. But if we focus on our industry specifically, I think there's real power for us to influence change and leveraging the power of peer pressure and holding each other accountable. So for example, the CFA Institute is working on a DE&I code that would have signatories make certain commitments across their practices. Some of our institutional investors are creating diversity scorecards, for example, and the consultants are also holding organizations accountable. So I think that from an industry perspective, we're starting to see a ton of movement in that regard. And then an organization level, I think there's so many things that we can be doing and there's so many different strategies. It can be sometimes difficult to focus and pick the ones that would have the most impact. But for example, having more transparency of data and people practices. So for example, what does our representation look like? And sharing that information. What criteria do we look at for promotions? Embedding a DE&I lens in all of our people practices. So it's not a separate set of activities. It's just part of how we manage our organization, how we manage our employees, and we ensure that we're leveraging the full capabilities of our employees and also reaching untapped pools of potential talent. Well, as you and I have discussed, so much of what we're doing is about expanding the pool of candidates so that we're increasing the probability that the most qualified candidate, whatever that means, also happens to be a diverse candidate. Separately, a personal question. I know that you've said that during the pandemic, you've you've spent more time hiking and enjoyed that. So my question is, having done a lot of hiking in New England myself over the years, have you gotten lost yet on a hike? Because sometimes the trails aren't well marked. That's a great question. So I'll say that I started out, my hikes were on paved paths for that very reason. But this past Sunday, I actually went on a hike that took me off the, the beaten path. And uh, I had made sure that I went with a group because it's actually quite tough to navigate. The trail had indicated it was meant to be 10 miles. It ended up being 13 around a state park. And uh, we only had to backtrack once, which was good, but it, it was a uh, definitely on my mind. And and so making sure that there's somebody in the group that's a good navigator is like top priority because I have that fear of being lost. And in fact, there are a lot of jokes about, you know, bringing blankets and food in case we had to camp overnight, but we we made it out. Okay. So we're good. Well, you got some extra steps in with the extra three miles in the trail. Lauren, thanks so much for taking the time and discussing a DE&I. It's a critical topic and I'm sure we'll be touching on it more in future three and five broadcasts. And thanks for everybody for listening in to this session of three and five. Cool.